Erevin Perik Aleph, Mishnah Yud, 110, the last of the Perik, and a continuation of the previous Mishnah, where we had said that one could employ the halachic principle of Lavud to establish um, a machitza by setting up vertical bands. This Mishnah will pick up and say the same thing can be done using vertical posts. The Mishnah says, Makifin Bekanim, you could surround the place that you want to be considered to be enclosed with mechitzas to carry within it on Shabbos using kanim, which are like reeds, like sticking dowels or poles in the ground. Provided that, the distance between one pole and the next is not three tvachim. Same principle as we had in the previous Mishnah. Since there's less than three tvachim separating them, the rule is because of lavud, a principle we have on tradition, that legally the space between the poles is negligible and therefore it's as if they're contiguous, so they could mark off a whole area and function as bona fide mechitzos. Okay. The mission continues now. This is a little involved. There are going to be four different opinions on the following question. If you have a very large area, and indeed the scope of this machlok is only a very large area, called the base sasayim, the area of two, literally of two sa. A sa is, you could think of it as a as 12 liters, the way I like to imagine it, is a six-pack of two-liter bottles. There's a range of opinions on the actual size, but for our purposes, this is right inside the range. So think of a six-pack of two-liter bottles, that's one saw, and a base saw is the amount of area that one could plant a saw worth of seeds, So, which comes out to being 50 by 50 amos. Um, if we call an ama. Uh, half a meter, so you're talking 25 by 25 meters, something like around um, 75 by 75 feet. So it's something like around the size of a an NBA-sized basketball court, roughly speaking, is a base saw. And this is a base saw sign, it's double that. So instead of being 50 by 50, it's 50 by 100 almost, or 5,000 square almost, um, which is roughly the size of um, an Olympic swimming pool. And I'm aware of the fact that you could probably fit three basketball courts into one little swimming pool, but that's that's the range, okay? So the point is if you're enclosing a large area, a base asayim, something the size of an Olympic swimming pool or two or three basketball courts in area, um, bigger than that. So there's a question of if you can rely on these very rudimentary mechitzos, one made simply of either vertical poles or of horizontal bands. The way that the Mish refers to them is the Shesi and Arev bands. That's referring to when one makes cloth. So there's going to be on the loom these long strands called the Shesi strands, and then traversing them are these Arev strands to make the, the cloth a weave. It doesn't matter really. The point is in the, in the metaphor, Shesi are the verticals and the Arev are the horizontal beams or uh, bands. The question is can you use machits that employ just one, either verticals or horizontals only? And the answer is, yes, you could, but there's going to be four opinions on how, when we will allow you to rely on that super rudimentary mechitza um, for very large areas, areas bigger than a base sasayim, bigger than the Olympic-sized swimming pool area, 5,000 square almost. Okay, although the mission makes no mention of this discussion happening at the threshold of base sasayim and beyond, uh, but that is where they're arguing. So within... Base assign, meaning if you're talking about less than 5,000 square almost, 
swimming pool and pick swimming sides. So then everyone agrees this is going to be sufficient. It's going to be okay. And in most circumstances, we'll see a little more. Yeah, everyone, that's, everyone agrees that's fine. Um, because Midoraisa, for sure, these are legal mechitzas. The question is if we rely on it for such big, bigger areas or do you have more rabbinic um, stricture involved. So we'll have four separate opinions about when you can rely on this um, and under what extending circumstances for very large areas. Here the Mishnah says, Bishayara Dibru Rebbe Yehuda. If you recall, a couple of Mishnahs ago, we talked about the Shiara, the, the caravan. We didn't explain over there why we were talking about people on caravan traveling. Now it comes to light. People in caravan are traveling, so those have they have two, um, I'll call them extenuating circumstances. The first is there's a number of them, not one guy by himself. The definition for Shiara here is at least three individuals. And second of all, they are sort of in the wilderness, away from settlement, and therefore they're in extenuating circumstances. They don't have you know all the stuff they might need to set up proper, regular partitions. So Rabbi Hood understands that the leniency that we're talking about here of using these verticals or horizontals for very large areas, bigger than the base of Syme, only applies to people who are indeed a shiara, a caravan, meaning they meet those two criteria. Number one, there are at least three of them. And number two, they are far away from settlement. If they don't meet either one of those two criteria, meaning there's only one person, for example, or he's near town, then he could not rely on just verticals or horizontals to make a large area based on or bigger. That's opinion number one. The Chacham Omrim lo dibru b'shiyara ela b'hove. The Chacham say no, although the Mishnah did talk about a caravan of people, it just meant because what other kind of people are wandering around setting up ad hoc mechitzas in the middle of nowhere other than people traveling in a caravan. But in fact, to the Chachamim, that's not the essential point at all. Um, and even if people are, are traveling, just a single person's traveling, or by himself, um, that would also he would also be afforded this leniency of setting up the verticals or horizontals, um, even in an area bigger than base asayim. No problem, provided that say the the chamer lenient here, but they provided that we're talking about a person who is um, on the derech. He's on the way going somewhere. He's not at home in settlement. If he's been in a more settled area and not having the extended circumstance of being on the road, we wouldn't allow him to set up such a large area with such a rudimentary mechitza. We'd require something uh, more substantial. Again, the more substantial means that you have not just verticals, let's say, but also some horizontal as well. How much horizontal is actually a machlokas achronim? Certainly, if you had like a, a a single beam going across the top of all the poles, that would be sufficient. But um, their sheet is that much less, and that would be sufficient as well. Okay, so that's the second sheet. The third sheet, the most strict, is kol shal shesi ve'arev. Any partition that doesn't employ both verticals and horizontals, ena mechitza, simply doesn't have the status of being mechitza. It's not a legal partition. Divrei Rabbi Yossi bar Rabbi Yehuda. Says Rabbi Yossi, the son of Rabbi Yehuda. This Rabbi Yossi is the son of our Rabbi Yehuda in our Mishnah, the first opinion of the three here. And so Rabbi Yossi, the son of Rabbi Yehuda, says absolutely not. Again, only talking about an area bigger than Beis Asayim. But at that point he says, no one, even if you're traveling on the way, even if you're three people or more, is afforded the leniency of having just a Shesi or Arev, just vertical or horizontal. Um, need to have both vertical and horizontal um, to 
box off an area larger than Tusa. The Gemara actually says that even according to Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda, you actually get two sa'a, two base sa'a, really, um, meaning the side of a basketball court, let's say. No, sorry, the size of the swimming pool, I'm sorry. Um, per person. So for argument's sake, if you have three guys traveling in caravan, so then they're maxed out at not two base saw, but actually six base saw, three Olympic swimming pools in size, one per person. Okay. But beyond that, there's no way to section off an area for carrying on Shabbos um, with the verticals or the horizontals. You need to have both. The Chacham, um, the Chacham here are the fourth opinion. They're not the same Chacham we had as opinion number two. They're a new opinion, um, and they're the most lenient of all. And they say, Echad Mishneh Devarm. They say, either or is fine across the board, meaning it doesn't matter if you're one person or a big caravan of people. It doesn't matter if you're in the Yishuv settlement or if you're in the wilderness. Setting up verticals or horizontals is legitimate as a machitza, and you can rely on it, and you can carry inside that, even in a very large cordoned off area, no problem. Okay, so those are our three, those are our four shitas. Halachalamaisa, we're going to say that you um, you can box of an area more than four, sorry, more than base asaim, tusa, even for an individual person, but the, so like lenient, but we're not giving this leniency if you're within the city, if you're nearby in the Yishuv, only if you're on the way on the derech traveling somewhere, then you can rely on this leniency. Um, fine. Okay, now the mission is going to end up with a different point. The different point is, since we're talking about people who are sort of traveling in the fields, we're going to talk about soldiers. These are soldiers that are serving the Jewish people in Eretz Israel. They're like the Israeli army, so to speak, um, of Baishani period. And they're on their way to do some kind of milchama, some kind of milchama, a, a war. So war is divided into two categories, milchamas mitzvah, milchamas rishos. It doesn't matter. These guys are even on their way to do Milchemus Rishus, meaning just a, um expansionary war, not one that's mandated by the Torah, but they're expanding the borders of Israel, and therefore they're, they're soldiers going out, so they have an encampment somewhere, and we're going to have four leniencies they can rely upon, um, which wouldn't normally apply, but because they're soldiers in sort of um, challenging circumstances, we're going to be lenient with them in these four ways. Just to make sure it's clear here, we are not talking about soldiers who are in the middle of a war. A war scenario is pikuach nefesh. There's a lot of risk um, to life, and at that point, you can do anything you got to do um, to ensure that your safety is protected. Essentially, like the normal rules of pikuach nefesh. Um, so that's not what we're talking about at all. But just when they're camping, going out to battle, we have these four leniencies, and here they are: arba devarim, patru b'machane. There are four things that the rabbis um, uh, exempted. The soldiers from when they're in their in camp. The first is mevian eitz and makom They can retrieve wood from anywhere. That means they can go into private property of people who have chopped and bundled wood for their private use, and the soldiers can take that wood for themselves to use. Um, so how that works and not, is not considered theft is by the power of something called hefker bezdin hefker that the bezdin the bezdin meaning the Sanhedrin, is authorized to. Um, confiscate or arrogate or, you know, um, people's property and render it ownerless. And this has many applications throughout the Torah. So here what we're having is the Bezin are saying, listen, as far as the soldiers are concerned, if they need your wood, 
are interested to make sure the soldiers are protected and therefore you have no claim on them. They can help themselves and take that wood, even if you chopped it and bundled it up and we're going to use it for yourself. Too bad. It, the soldiers can help themselves. Second of all, upaturin merchitzas yadayim. They're exempt from wash their hands. This is the obligation to wash your hands before you eat bread. Normally you have to wash your hands, as you're familiar with, I'm sure. Um, but the soldiers are exempt. They don't need to wash their hands because going out to search for water or spending their and using their valuable water um, may not be advisable, and therefore they don't need to wash their hands. They can eat as is um, and not have to search for water. Bartonar speaks out, this is talking about Mayim Roshonim, the water you use to wash your hands before you eat bread. The water that you wash your hands with after you eat um, is actually according to the Bartonura and many, more strict. And the reason why it's more strict um, is because the principle of Chamir uh, Sakanta Meisura, that something which is a danger is even more strict than something which is just forbidden by ritual law. And the thought here is that the salt they used, Melech Stomus, um, was potent and could get into your eyes after you eat, and that can actually cause you permanent damage to your eyes. So to ensure that your eyes aren't damaged, um, there's a requirement, because you don't have to eat salt at the end of your meal, and dip food into salt, etc. So there's a requirement to wash your hands after eating to make sure you have no melech stomis, the this dangerous salt, on your fingertips. So assuming that's there, you have to wash it off. Halach Lamaisa nowadays, many people certainly do wash their hands um, before benching, um, and that would be true even if their hands aren't known to be dirty to them. Um, others are lean, are lean into this. I don't get to that topic anymore right now. The Shulchan Aruch, the Machaber, it certainly says, my Machronim Chovat, an obligation to wash your hands. And um, if you don't have a custom, so the Mishnah says those who have a custom not to wash their hands can rely on that and not do it. Okay. The third thing is Umidamai. They're exempt from Damai. You'll recall from Sechet I'm not getting to it too much now. It comes up all the time. The rabbi said, in Bayashani times, if you purchase produce from an Amma Aretz, who can't be trusted to tithe properly, even though most did tithe properly, there's an obligation to tithe again, at least to get the Trumas Meiser, and where applicable, the the Meiser Shani Kedusha out of the produce before you eat it. Um, you can't rely on the leniency of that the majority of them do it, but in the case of soldiers on the way, they can rely on that leniency, meaning they're exempt, they can eat Demai without further tithing. And finally, Umula Arev, they're exempt from the Lachas of Erevin, this is specifically the Erev Chatseros. We're talking about the Arab that enables you to carry by merging your residency, as we discussed in Sech's Arab not long ago. Um, so these soldiers were setting up camp, don't need to make like get a you know like the box of matzah, so to speak, to enable and contribute or share them all to allow them to carry within their Rishasiyachid if they have a common area, even without an Arab, they're allowed to carry there. By the way, this does not refer to the Arab Trumen, meaning the requirement of not leaving going beyond two thousand amas beyond your home base, your encampment, um, that applies to the soldiers as well. They can't go beyond the 2,000 hours. Again, of course, we're not talking about a time when there's any risk to, to them and their lives, even potentially. It just simply means they're not the Erev Tchumen apply to soldiers under normal circumstances as well. Just Erev Chatseros that we were lenient, the rabbis were lenient with them.